Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. We're back again for another week. And unfortunately, this week, we're without Michael. So it's just me, Connell, and Ronan James are joining me this week. It's been quite a difficult week to schedule recording this podcast. So I'm not sure how long or short it'll be this week. It's a bit rushed, but um, obviously, you'll know how long it is by looking at your device. But maybe not the worst week for that to have happened, because it wasn't a great week of Premier League action, was it, boys? No. I was actually just saying that before we start recording. I was watching the, the Man City and West Ham game on Saturday and I went to watch the game after that, which I think was the Palace game. And I already forgot I'd watched the Man City match. I couldn't for the life of me. I was 10 minutes into the Palace match and I couldn't for the life of me remember <laughs> what match I just watched. For me, the uh, statisticians uh, cursed it for us. Like They said it was like averaging 3.4 goals a game this season and it's gone back to what like the under two that weekend was just abysmal, I have to say. Yeah, I seen someone tweet. It's like the generally accepted takes before this Premier League weekend. There's loads of goals. Villa are class, and Everton are unreal. And obviously, Everton ended up losing two nil to Southampton this week. Villa went down three nil to Leeds, and there was barely any goals. So not ideal. But maybe that's a good place to start. It was the first game on the Friday night. It was Villa at home to Leeds, and they were Patrick Bamford. Scored a hat-trick. He looked absolutely unbelievable, didn't he? Yeah, the second goal in particular, second and third goals, mm. are both really well-taken goals. He's really surprised me since he came since he came back up in the Premier League because I was kind of under the impression that Bamford was a bit shish because I think he missed like the most chances last year in Championship. He never really scored more than 20 goals in a Championship either. And then when he was in the Premier League with Chelsea and Palace, and I think he was at Middlesbrough as well, yeah. Didn't do it, anything with any of them. So it's kind of a surprise he's playing so well now. Maybe it's just because of the system that Bielsa is playing, or maybe it's just like Team Bupugi last year, where he's kind of had a good start to the season, might drop off. I don't know. But yeah, 
Yeah, like you have well, to be in the right place to finish them. And Bielsa at the start of the season didn't give him enough credit, said the system allows him to for there to be someone there to finish off the chances. But the way he took the second and third goal in particular, properly class, like definitely will have a good season, but again, could be a bit of a pookie syndrome, might fizz- will definitely fizzle out, but will be huge for Leeds this season. Yeah, he was always quite highly rated when he was a youngster at Chelsea and Clearly, Bielsa rated him because he played him all of last season and the season before, despite the fact that he wasn't prolific. But this step up in quality, people are saying, oh, they need to improve on Bamford. And I definitely would have agreed in that. I thought Rodrigo just would have, would have replaced him in the team. But I think it's sort of similar to what you've seen, maybe not so much now, because he's a better player now, but certainly one or two years ago, there were some question marks over how good Marcus Rashford was. But when you see him in the big games, Marcus Rashford has an unbelievable record against the top six and, you know, in the Champions League in big games. And I think you're seeing something similar now when Patrick Bamford's in the championship playing against teams that he's expected to score goals against. It's almost like an added pressure. But now that he's at playing at a higher level, nobody really expects anything of him that you might forgive Patrick Bamford for not scoring goals in the Premier League. But now without that pressure... He's just going out and performing something similar to what Marcus Rashford did, you know, two or three seasons ago. Yeah, they seem to be really enjoying their football leads at the minute, which is testament to how well drilled they are. Like uh, in the championship, there's huge expectations on leads every season. You know, the fans undergoing absolute misery year on year, playoff final after playoff final. So in the Premier League, it's it's not a free hit because they're not going to get relegated. There's definitely three worst teams in them. Everyone's predicted Leeds do quite well. They're just enjoying their football, I'd say. Yeah, especially the the third goal where you could, they kind of had the close control in the box and then kind of shifted out of his feet and put it in the far corner. I was like, I don't expect that out of his locker at all. Like, I know he's been scoring kind of headers and he's been in and around the box, but the second one was a great shot from outside the box and the third one was brilliant control with his feet as well. So... It's it's kind of it's just surprising to see him do so well. Like you didn't think he had that kind of stuff in his locker. Like you said, Bielsa said he's always kind of expected to be in around the box and someone's going to finish with goals. But second and third goal in particular yesterday, well not yesterday on Friday, they were taken really really well. And it's not that's not just him being in around the box. It's just genuinely good football for himself. Yeah, I think in this match, Villa were quite unlucky in the first half. They definitely seemed to be the better team and. I think Grealish had a shot blocked off the line by Luke Ayling and they really look like troubling again. And you're thinking, are Villa going to win a fifth game in a row? Considering, I think a lot of people, certainly I did, they had them going down. But I think 3-0 in this match, slightly misleading. But yeah, um, it's it's very flattering to Leeds, isn't it? Like I think yeah. Villa were 140, 150 to 1 to win the opening four. So mm. good luck any Villa fans that cashed in on that. But... Just looking at Villa now, they're they aren't like we're told to talk about Villa in the podcast from a few listeners, but um they're just not what they're cut out to be, Villa at the minute. Like they are a bit overhyped. They're riding a bit of a crest of a wave. Do you know? Do you get me? Like um I don't think they're overhyped, but it's I think it was pretty genuine because like honestly, I had them going down and I really don't think they will now. I think winning four games in a row in itself is is very, very impressive. 
Yeah, but we're very fickle at the minute. Like one minute we're deciding they're going down. Well, they do sign Ali Watkins and Barkley, which are huge acquisitions for them. And I don't have them going down now, but like a lot of the punditry and the talk around them, listening to off the ball, bit of hyperbole, like, oh, can Villa go seven or eight games, chop four challenge? It's very, you know. Yeah, I think I've seen someone on off the ball. Would it have been Jer Gilroy, the, the presenter? Yeah, because he's a Villa fan. He is. Oh, fan. is he? Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, he was yeah. on about them potentially getting top four and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> never, you can never really judge teams so early in the season as well because I remember Hull when they came up a few years ago I think um, when Micah Phelan was the manager yeah, I think from the first five games they got 10 points and they were sitting for the table or something like that and they ended up going down anyway I, I think Villa are definitely a much better side than that Hull side because I think Hull mm-hmm. only had 14 players going into the start of that season but you, it's, you can never say especially a team like Villa after four games in the season or four or five games a season that you're going to go on and get top four. The only thing, the only one really was Leicester. I know Leicester a few years ago when Leicester won the league, they started well and everyone's like, "Oh, they'll fall off." I think that's kind of why people nowadays are a bit more willing to say teams like Leicester and Everton are going to finish top four, challenge for a title because of that one time it happened with Leicester. Hmm. Yeah. But when when you look since that Leicester result, only the big six have gotten into the top four since. So you just have to be wary uh, about you know the first five or six games in the Premier League. It's it's only around it's only really around twelve to fifteen game mark. The kind of overall league tables kind of takes a shape. shape over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but even Leicester couldn't do a Leicester last year. Like that was a serious top four bottle job. Obviously plagued by injuries, but it's just very very hard to uh, beat those top six squads and that money that they have. Yeah, and Ronan, you were talking about teams being hyped too early on I think there's a little bit of that with Everton um, a lot of people are saying oh they could get top four and I don't think it's a crazy shout because it's there's been no dominant team really in the Premier League so far Liverpool obviously you know they're genuinely performing but definitely yeah. more cracks in there than there was in the last couple of seasons they won't be getting 96 97 points like they were the last couple of years I think that's fair to say and um, and but Everton, you've seen that with the two 0 loss against Southampton. That was that was bound to happen. There's still holes in that team, as good as they are. Yeah, well, I think Everton as well as they've got a really good manager in Ancelotti. You know, the last time, uh, twenty fourteen was it? They nearly finished top four. I think they finished four points off Arsenal. Yeah, under Martinez. They had Martinez, who was not a great manager. To be fair, their team they had that year wasn't exactly amazing. The team they have now is probably better, and are. They have Ancelotti, but I still think there's a way to go before Everton finish top four, challenge for top four. I could be proven wrong. Um, they are a fun side to watch. Obviously, not as a Liverpool fan, you don't like to see them doing well. But especially when you're watching the likes of the Merseyside Derby, it's nice to have competitive games there. Because I remember last year, I know we had the nil all at Goodison Park. That's kind of standard these days. But at Anfield, Liverpool played. Uh, Liverpool only played one of the front three. They only played Mane. Um and they played Shakiri in midfield as well. And we still end up beating them 5-2. So it is good to have... It's good for English football to have that kind of a good competitiveness up there. But like that, there's still there's still cracks there. I think especially at the weekend, people talk about how good Calvert-Lewin has been. I think they look really, really one-dimensional without Richarlison on that side. Mm. Yeah, Richarlison's obviously carries a huge threat. But, you know, 2 0 loss to Southampton... It's not a disgraceful result. I think Southampton, no. just an absolutely fantastic team, so well drilled under Hasenhutl. 
Yeah, look, Southampton have exciting young prospects. Walker Peters looked electric and obviously uh, got the decision uh, in his favour that sent off Luca Dean, which changed the game even more in Southampton's favour. They were really able to control the ball after that. And just a good consummated performance from those lads. Like, they really didn't mess about, didn't give Everton any space or chances. Everton looked quite lethargic, like you say, one-dimensional. But I think some players like Luke Godfrey could be big for them this season. Obviously, got quite a good deal for him. Uh, wasn't too impressed with him in the game, but I still think we do have a lot to see from Everton this season. But yeah, full credit to Southampton. Probably one of the best managers outside the top six is Ralph Hasenhutl. And uh, yeah, they were they looked every bit of those three points. Danny Ings just looks absolutely electric, completely missing Liverpool. When you see Divock Origi playing last night, who just isn't even a footballer at this stage. Uh, no offence to Divock there that scathing attack but yeah Ingsy looks unreal I have to say the Southampton just looked the, the full package yeah, let Divock away with that for the Champions League goals even uh, Che Adams this season up along Ings he's looking a lot better I kind of thought he was a bit of a bust he came in from Birmingham and he kind of does the dirty work for Danny Ings not, not to say Danny Ings doesn't work hard uh, that Southampton team works hard all over the pitch and I know two players they were looking at. I don't know if it was ever really realistic. Were two players from United, Brandon Williams and Scott McTominay, and th- those two players would fit right into that team. Players full of energy, full of full of hard work. Their work rate's unbelievable, and you have to have that in the Southampton team. Southampton didn't really bring in bring in many major no. signings this season. No. So I was thinking, will they be able to carry on that good form from the end of last season? But so far they have. But like they're playing that sort of high tempo, high pressure football, you could sort of liken to Klopp slightly. And they've lost Emil Hoiberg. I know he didn't feature the back end of last season, but you just think you need some extra legs for the back half of this season just to pad out that squad a bit. Like you're saying, like a McTominay would just fit right in there and uh, do them the world of good, to be honest with you. The only player they've really brought in was Theo Walcott. And even he, you wouldn't expect him to be starting every game you kind of expect him to be a bit more of a squad player but like you were saying with Che Adams I think I touched upon it last week as well he looks a lot more comfortable on that side especially since the restart after um, in May was it May? yeah and I think it was I think it was the stat came up there he scored six goals in 12 Premier League games since football resumed after the lockdown so he's obviously he's kind of settled a lot more in that, in that strike partnership with Danny Ings yeah, Hassan Hoot is just doing an unbelievable job. But I think it'll be interesting to see in January if they decide maybe we should spend a little bit of money because we've got a thing going here. And if we can get some players to build on that momentum, they could really become a problem and possibly, you know, start contending for Europe like they were under the likes of, you know, Pochettino and then Ronald Koeman, Claude Puel. Uh, they fell off a little bit because they hired Mark Hughes for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and then under Hassan Hootl at the start, he had a tough job. It wasn't going too well at the start, but he's really showing his credentials. He's doing unbelievable work with Southampton. Up well being sacked was a crime. He got them Europe and uh, League Cup final. It was shocking. I mean, it's kind of worked out from the end because they've got a really good manager in Ralph Hassan Hootl. I know yeah, Puel no. didn't play the most exciting football, but that shocked me at the time when they did sack him. And look what happened to Powell when he went to Leicester. Yeah. You forget Leicester, that. I like, think he was that bad. But yeah. Rogers obviously done a lot better job since he went in. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if had the, if they had got rid of Powell for Hasenhutl directly. But I think they yeah. just got rid of him and then didn't know what to do. So hiring Mark Hughes, who 
is a horrendous coach. One of the worst managers I've known in the Premier League, to be honest. So moving on to some more action from the weekend. We had this as the match of the weekend coming into it. And it was a dead rubber game. <laughs> United against Chelsea. I tweeted on the Twitter account, what a colossal waste of everyone's time uh, with a gif of Biggie Smalls falling asleep. Because phew, it was it was a non-event, wasn't it? I think the only exciting thing that happened in that game was Mendy nearly kicking it into his own net. Yeah. And even at, and even at that, Mendy actually probably was Chelsea's best player that day as well because he made three or four really big saves. Unbelievable save at the end from Rashford. I think, Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Solskjaer was celebrating. He thought it went in. So it wasn't yeah. like, <laughs> don't know how he said The only real big talk points from this game really was the, the penalty decision on Harry Maguire and Asper Aquetta. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact they spent... Straight from that play, you know, you went up the other end and there was a wee nick on Rashford yeah. from Thiago Silva and they spent two or three minutes looking at that on VAR and then they didn't even look at the Maguire thing. It's not even that they didn't, VAR looked at it and said, no, it's not a penalty. VAR didn't even think it was worth looking at. Yeah. It was obscene to me. Um, personally, I think it was a penalty. Yeah, no, I it mean, was. Yeah, it was a clear penalty. He had his arm around him. Mm-hmm. Um I- I see Maguire put up something on his Instagram story about, I think it was just before that incident or something, Reese James had an arm around him or something. So it was a wee snide remark at anyone saying it was a penalty, which I, for the record, I agree it was a penalty. I think they've always had problems, officials, like going back to the World Cup days, in the box, contacting the box, putting your arm around your man and Mark. And I think there's always been issues around that, but absolutely was a penalty. And VAR, it just feeds into the wider VAR conversation that we're sick of having. It's just farcical at this stage, isn't it, really, lads? Yeah. Even it's last, just, there's no consistency at all. Even last night in the Champions League, and it's kind of going off a little bit. There was the Bayern Munich game, and Bayern Munich won a penalty, and then VAR overturned it for an offside on Lewandowski. But because local locomotive Moscow don't have the proper VAR set up in their stadium. They were just doing it off the the main television camera angle, and it was impossible to tell whether Lewandowski was offside or not. But they gave it anyway. So it is. I think it's. I think it's not just the Premier League. It's just. It's a wider problem with VAR. Really? Do they not have? I thought they'd have to meet UEFA standards. I, I imagine they would have had to just had a standard. You know how they didn't, works. They didn't. They didn't show. They didn't. They didn't show um, on the coverage yeah. the lines or anything. They spent a lot of time over that, so maybe they did. But if they do have the lines in that, they should be showing it to people who are watching the match because there was no, there's not even been any. Because I went looking for it last night afterwards because I was kind of a bit curious, and there was no, there was no real um, images of Lewandowski, like say the Mane one against Everton. I'm not going to get into that again or whatever. But say the Mane one against Everton, you had the lines. There was none of that being shown on uh, the coverage of the Bayern Munich match last night. So I just thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, maybe football should take a page out of rugby's book. Not often you'll hear me saying that, but with the referees mic'd up, I think that's brilliant when you're watching rugby because you can you can actually hear the referees referees Chatting reasoning the there and then. Yeah, yeah, class. It is absolutely unreal. They, they, yeah. To be fair, they've they've got that right for a long time. Rugby, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they had the uh, what do they call VR? TV ref. It's a lot simpler. <laughs> Yeah, is there, what's the yeah the three letter abbreviation? Oh, TMO, TV T- match T- official. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, TMO. But anyway, um, yeah, this was match was a bit of a non-event. I think it was really two sort of young attacking sides who are questionable at best defensively, and they were basically a little bit scared of each other 
It was like yeah. when um, Derek Lewis fought Francis Ngannou in the UFC, two heavy hitters, two heavyweights, unbelievable knockout pair of the two of them. And then in the fight, I think there was 11 punches thrown in three rounds or something because they were terrified of each other. It's basically the same thing happened here. You could also rebrand that as uh, two fraudulent managers desperately trying to cover their tracks with their defensive records, you know? People were um, getting but, really mad over Frank Lampard wearing a hat. That was fucking so weird. It, it was such funny, a weird though. agenda to have. <laughs> he did look funny. I think it was because it was funny. raining as well, so he was kind of drenched as well, so he looked <laughs> miserable altogether. It was, the way he wore the hat was kind of a bit weird, but the people were mad at that. They were just like, why do you wear the hat? Fraud. I was like... <laughs> Kai Havertz and Warner, who they spent massive money on playing shite, and this is the thing you decide to, <laughs> to point out. Oh, God bless football Twitter. Yeah, I think Werner is going to come alive now with uh, Christian Pulisic. Pulisic was like, the dribbling that he had on him was akin mm. to something you'd see from Hazard, honestly. Just the way he run at that United defence, even though there wasn't much to pick out, chances-wise for Chelsea. Uh, still, that's only going to be a positive for Chelsea going forward. I thought Havertz was horrendous this is the first time I've watched Havertz and thought he was really bad um, I think he was hooked off after an hour for Mason Mount as well he just nothing kind of stuck to his feet everything every first touch was getting away from it, it was just a really bad performance uh, Havertz uh, this is his pre-Real Madrid move and you know uh, Covid not being an issue he'd be at Real Madrid right now and how quick to judge him with to be at the Bernabeu so at least he's at Chelsea because if he's turning in these performances in the Bernabeu like he'd be a dead man uh, you know you just don't have any time to adjust to La Liga yeah, the two teams United probably edge to play but not really enough to warrant a win you know if Rashford's shot had went in it wouldn't have been a robbery or anything but two sides really couldn't have complained about that result Gary Neville said on commentary when the game's like that and you approach the game like that, you can never really complain if you lose. So another match we'll talk about, slightly better match. It looked like possibly an upset was on the cards, but Liverpool pulled through and came back uh, against Sheffield United after a slight scare when they went down to a Sander Burrage penalty and possibly another one. Um, but you two are Liverpool fans. You're well placed to talk about this game. Are we going to have to talk about VAR again? We don't have to if you don't want to. It's getting a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah, well, there was a lot of talk made about the the penalty and a lot of people were saying, oh, the VAR only looked at whether it was, it was inside the box or outside the box, not that it was a foul. Personally, he won the ball. I, don't, I think I think he took, I think he got burnt, I think he stood on McBurney's foot before he got the ball. So I can see why a foul was given. I personally, I'm not totally sold on it being a foul, but I can see why it'd be given as a foul. In terms of inside or outside the box, I mean, it was it's hard, wasn't it? It's as harsh as it is as the line is the box, so you can't yeah. really complain about the foul be given as a penalty. To be fair, I thought we definitely should have given away a penalty for the Jota challenge on Berg. There seemed to be clear contact there. Yeah, and we again, got away with one there, but the yeah. f- the first penalty, ah, uh, I just don't see it. So, but leveled out. And in terms of overall performance, Liverpool just even like last night against Meechland. Liverpool just kind of looked a lot more cagey. I think they were really cautious because normally they'd be zipping past about the place. In fairness to Sheffield, Sheffield was set up really well defensively. And I know everybody said on commentary, their performances haven't warranted them being only on one point. And they were unlucky not to get a point against Liverpool. Liverpool probably did deserve to win the end. Second half, kind of, they flexed their muscle. 
but it was kind of interesting seeing the new formation um, Klopp was trying. But it was kind of more interesting that he kind of played Jota as the deep of Jota and Firmino. Because I would have always kind of thought Jota would be the more forward player. And you know, Firmino, when he signed, was signed as, number, as a number 10. He was kind of playing that false nine role that everybody kind of knows him for. But overall, I thought Gomez was very good. Fabinho kind of had a bit of a stinker, to be honest. And then Jota took his goal very well. He just didn't look overly convincing against Sheffield. Yeah, I felt sorry for Jota because he didn't know where he was in the first half. Uh, like, we really went at Sheffield. We were going 100 miles an hour. Penalty changes the game. Sheffield looked like old Sheffield. And then we just managed to get the job done. So it's just one of them. Like, I, I thought it was a really enjoyable watch myself. But it's not going to go down the history books. But, yeah, Liverpool march on three points. In terms of uh, football sort of relegation-related lingo and cliches, I think Sheffield United are probably at the stage where you'd worry for them. I, I, I does have to be said, we were from Ireland, so we didn't actually have to pay the pay-per-view for this match, fortunately, because there's a there's a sports channel over here that shows some of the pay-per-view matches for free. So we're not sad if you sat and paid 15 euro to watch a 2-1 on a Saturday night. If you've paid 15 quid to watch any singular football match, you deserve a match like that. You deserve yeah, worse than that. Oh yeah, you're an idiot. Complete idiot. <laughs> I feel sorry for Villa fans though, because on that, someone was saying Villa's next six matches on uh, televised matches are all pay-per-view matches. Yeah, and the Leeds game isn't even a part of that. Like, the Leeds game just gone, that they've seen themselves lose 3-0. That was also one of the pay-per-view, wasn't it? Yeah. So, oh, horrible times to be a football fan. But to be fair, there are a lot of people at the minute that just don't have anything better in their lives than football. And at the best times, don't win better than their lives in football, which is maybe something horrible to say, but it's true. And they will pay £15, but it it is going to be scrapped, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's nice to see, though. Uh, I think every fan base that was involved in a game that was on pay-per-view this weekend, I think most of their fans had a large number of fans um, donating to food banks and other charities because I know there was a lot of attention given to Liverpool fans for doing it but I think Villa fans did, uh, donated a similar number something like £100,000 as well Newcastle as well yeah Newcastle Leeds so like fair play to all those fans uh, the Barstoolers official stance is not to commit any illegal activities but if you want to go ahead and stream a match like that you know we won't say anything wink wink <laughs> so going on to our next section of the podcast Six games in, five games for some teams. Who would be your surprise package of the season so far? Could be a team, could be a player, anything like that. Who have you been taken aback by? In terms of um, a team, uh, it's not so much a team or, or a player individual. It's a duo, Kane and Son. We talk about it every single week. But the way they're... Son is top of the goals and Kane is on top of the assist chart. Obviously, Kane doing bits for me in fancy football and Son doing bits for James in the fancy football, our draft league. But everybody's known how good they have been for ages, but it's just kind of, I didn't expect the two of them to start so well this season. Because I never really, Son's always kind of around there, but I never really thought of him as like one of the single standout players in the Premier League. But this year, he's just hit another level. Yeah, for me, it's, there's a couple of contenders, definitely. But for me, my one standout just shock really I touched upon him in this podcast already Patrick Bamford I just really didn't think we'd he'd be as good as he is now he could be 
what Timu Puki was last year. He could be a Tammy Abraham where the goals really dry up. But honestly, I don't see them drying up too much. I think he's probably going to get at least 15 goals a season. The way Leeds are playing, the way he's playing, he looks like he doesn't have any pressure on his shoulders. And if he does go on a couple, he has a couple of bad games, he can just be rested for one or two. You know, Norwich didn't really have that luxury last year because Timu Puki was easily their best player. Well, him and Buendia maybe, but certainly no one was, you know, vying for that centre forward spot. So I, yeah, I see Patrick Bamford's uh, run continuing and he's been a very pleasant surprise. Maybe not that pleasant as a United fan, but (laughs) he's been a a joy to watch. He really has. My surprise package in the Premier League has been Che Adams, a man that I've rooted for a while because I've sort of stuck with him in fantasy football last year. Uh, but it's great to see an English partnership. You don't often see two strikers for any side in the Premier League and have two English strikers week in, week out, proving their worth for the team. And it's just a great example of someone giving a chance, giving a chance to a footballer who's only had one season in the Premier League, get, rarely getting a second season after the season he had. Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Hasenhutl has repaid the, or he's repaid the trust that Ralph Hasenhutl has uh, placed in him. So yeah, he's definitely the surprise package for me. And a nice little fact about Che Adams, if you don't know, he's actually named after Che Guevara. I learned that a couple of days really? ago. Yeah. Didn't know that. There's another one as well, actually. Uh, Wilfred Zaha has had a really good start of the season. I know most people kind of rate Zaha as one of the better players outside the top six clubs. But I think this is I think he's already got more goals than he got last season. Like he's an absolutely brilliant start to the season so far. And even Palace at that Palace have kind of surprised me how well they've started the season. They've got ten points after six games. Which, I mean, it's not going to be something that's going to maybe get them challenged up for Europe or anything. But they're kind of always still near the relegation zone or battling relegation with about 10 games to go. They normally find their form around then. But they've kind of they've, they've started way better than they've seen them in the last few years anyway. Yeah, I think Palace are one of the better, were one of the better lower teams to support, you know. But now I think a lot of the smaller teams are getting better. And it seems like everyone has a Zaha now, like, you know, Mupai's shipping him with goals for Brighton like we said Che, che Adams and Ings it's just it's good we to see really. for Wolves yeah now I think Palace um, I don't think Palace are ever really going to finish any higher than like 14th or so maybe they did last year I don't think so uh, yeah because our form fell off a cliff at the end of the season but um, they just know what they are they're dogged they're rigid they're basically what Ireland were up until Stephen Kenny came in just unapologetic and again we've been over this in the podcast about Roy Hudson but he's doing a very good job there no doubt about it yeah it's kind of like Burnley as well you know Burnley are kind of I know Burnley finished in Europe one year uh, seventh place I think it was mm-hmm. and, but they got knocked out next year in the qualifiers to Olympiacos and I kind of feel sorry for the fans that year because they got drawn against Aberdeen in the first round for that so that's kind of not great because the first time playing in Europe in 45 years and you got drawn to Scotland I'd be fairly raging about that myself but if you're if you're in the Premier League for long enough, there are always going to be one or two seasons where you play better than you normally do, and you might challenge for Europe. I don't think that's going to happen with Paz this year. It's just they've kind of started a lot better than I thought they would do. Yeah. So moving into the predictions uh, for this week, I have an updated uh, predictions league standing, and this week, James, you got a grand total of I think zero. No, you got one point. Mixer had quite a good week, but the standings are rolling. You're on twelve. Uh, I'm on 14, Mix is on 16, and Jam's on 17. So, yeah, your predictions, your wild predictions, James, they're starting to affect you in that sense. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty close, honestly. 
the five games we're going to predict are all laid out here. So the first game we're going to be predicting is Liverpool at home to West Ham. And I, I'm not really in a position to predict a shock, to be honest. I think West Ham, I think Moyes has them well drilled, to be honest, this year. Um, they look okay going forward. So I'm going to have them scoring a goal, but that's about it. I think Liverpool's class would be far too much. Um, they're a bit of a dilemma at centre-back at the minute. I think Joel Matip's out. Van Dijk's obviously out. I think Fabinho is going to be out for the weekend. I think West Ham will definitely get in the score sheet. But yeah, 3-1 win to Liverpool. Not a very exciting prediction from myself. I'm going for 1-0. I just think, if we kind of look at our form last season, our early, our early form, we kind of struggled to beat teams. It was kind of 2-1s, 1-0 victories. I think it's probably going to be like that for a while now. Keeping a clean sheet without Fabinho and Van Dijk will be a good achievement, I suppose. But we just don't look like we've got our mojo going forward yet. So one nil. Yeah, for me, I uh, I actually was going to have West Ham as one of my surprise packages for this season, just the way they're going. I thought we were going to do that, but uh, I'm going to say two one in this game. I think yeah, the form Antonio's in and the problems that cause City. I think the score, but I think we come away with a two one win. The next game is a very interesting game, in my opinion. You've got Villa and Southampton, two of the surprise patches of the season. Maybe Southampton, not so much a surprise if you watched them last year. Um, I think they were better than their points total probably said, and they're showing their quality now. But two very good teams that both play good football, uh, got some good players amongst their ranks. And I think Villa are going to continue to sort of crash back to earth a little bit uh, at Villa Park, I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0 win to Southampton. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Southampton win. Pretty much all the same reasons yourself. I think Southampton are a bit more consistent. Don't know whether this Villa kind of run of form is just a freak or not. But I do think their, I do think their form suggests they're better than they actually are. So 2-1 Southampton. I am going to go for an outrageous one here. I'm going to go for oh a 3-2 Southampton win. No, not too outrageous, yeah, but yeah, okay. I think Villa... It, it things are starting to catch up with Villa, and they're going to be tested a bit more defensively. On, uh, so yeah, three. We just gone. Pro- we just gone to progression of one goal wins there, one nil, two one, three two. Yeah, full house of Southampton wins there. So I think after losing that game uh, against Leeds, Aston Villa, I think that could knock their confidence a wee bit. In the same way that their confidence was helped by winning game on game at the start. So next, probably the game of the weekend. You've got United at home to Arsenal. So after Thursday, Arsenal are going to have to come back to reality. They're going to be putting their, themselves up against Chris Shields and going to have to unfortunately go up against uh, lowly Paul Pogba on the Sunday. Uh, but yeah, now as a United fan, we'll see how my confidence is after tonight. We're recording this on the Wednesday against RB Leipzig. If you can get a good win there, I'd definitely stick with my prediction. My prediction is 2-0 to United. Um, I don't know. I'm just quite confident ahead of this one. Arsenal not in good form. And I think United are starting to click a wee bit. Wasn't brilliant against Chelsea, but definitely looking better than we did in the first couple of games. So 2-0 win to United, fairly comfortable. I think Arsenal are going to be licking their wounds after Thursday night's defeat at Dundalk. Yes, inevitable defeat. Inevitable defeat. Patrick Huben hat-trick, I'd say at least 6 or 7 nil to Dundalk. Easy win anyway. Um, Yeah, the kind of form I didn't... Watched the full match against Leicester. Um, I only think I only saw the extended highlights and then what was on match today. They kind of, they dominated the first half, but didn't really create or take any chances. And in the second half, Leicester kind of found them out a bit. Once once you kind of figure out that Arsenal team, it's kind of easy to figure out how to get in behind. 
I know Leicester had a few long balls that got in behind and they got through. So I do think there's a lot not to suggest there that they're not quite on the level of United yet. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 United win. Yeah, for myself, I'm going to disagree with this. I'm going to go for a 2-all draw. And the reason behind that is I don't think they're on the level at United at the minute, like you say there. But I just feel like a Bamian's due a goal. And I think he might just bag a wee brace for them because he's got that individual quality, get the service into him. He's been really underperforming this season. So, yeah, I just think he's due a goal. So one of our friends was saying that Aubameyang hasn't, since Aubameyang last scored a Premier League goal, in all the competitions, Kane has got something like 18 goals and assists combined. Yeah, something ludicrous like that. Helps that they're playing in the Europa League qualifiers and stuff. Yeah, to be fair. When they're not playing against actual football teams. Yeah. So next game, Leeds at home to Leicester. Very good game. Two great sides um, who play good stuff. It's at Elland Road. Leeds have had a very good start to the season. They're looking confident. They're scoring goals. But I'm going to go with a wee bit of an outlandish prediction. Going to go with a 3-0 comfortable Leicester victory. I just see it just all falling apart in this game, at least, for Leeds. I think their form this season is possibly a little bit flattering to them. Look, they are they're very good but I think at some stage they're going to have to have an off day and I think that's going to come this weekend. 3-0 Leicester. I am also going to go for a Leicester win and I think I'm going to go for the same scoreline. I don't think Leeds have... I don't think Leeds have lost since the opening gate day at Anfield. But they, were kind, they were lucky against Sheffield to get the win against Sheffield. They were kind of lucky to see out the Fulham game that they won so I do think playing against better opposition they will be kind of found out a bit because since the Liverpool game they've not really played the best level of competition apart from City actually got one of draw City, draw with City. Yeah. but for the most part yeah I think I think you're right their form suggests that they're better than they are so I'm going to go for Trina Leicester I'm going to continue the same as you and I'm going to go for a 2-0 Leicester win and again similar reasons I don't think Leeds are going to quite catch up with themselves still think they do look quite convincing but then again I think Leicester just due a performance Vardy's back starting this week which is huge obviously bagging a goal in uh, lay at Arsenal is going to do wonders for his confidence so yeah 2-0 Leicester and then the last match we're going to predict the fifth and final match I can't say it looks like a brilliant game on paper but it is the classic six pointer at Craven Cottage as Fulham take on West Brom oh, pretty easily yeah uh, pretty easily the two worst teams in the league and um, so I think it'll be a li- you know both sides will know how important that game is and they'll be a little bit cagey. And in the end, neither will win. Because uh, 1-1. One, one. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, I, I'm going to go for net all. I just, they're both shit, aren't they? Like, if, if they, if they, if they, end, if they both end the season with no wins, I would not at all be surprised. It'd be I, a little I, bit surprised. Like, it'd be a little bit surprised. Yeah, I would be yeah. surprised. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But, ah, they're both fucking bad at football. Like I said before, <laughs> I just don't like that Fulham got promoted over Brentford. No, not no, be- not, not a bit. Not even, not even because Brentford would be more exciting because they're a new team in the Premier League. I just think Fulham bullshitted their way to that promotion last year. Scott Parker's a shit manager. I'm not hearing anything against him, against against that opinion. He's, <laughs> he's all, he, he did well. He did well when he came into the Premier League, right? But Fulham were already fucking relegated at that stage. So nil all. Jesus, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> the, the, you've gone through from like first gear to fifth gear there, Owen. You've gone like <laughs> really just don't. scathing attack. I never, I never, I never like West Brom in the Premier League either. Yeah, they're worse. <laughs> the, right, 
the battle at the cottage. We are going to go for a Fulham win, Oof. right? A 2-0 Fulham win, oh. nonetheless. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Three points on the board for Scout Parker, just because you said that, Ronan. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Scott Parker supporters. Any, any chance of sponsorships we had are, are gone out the window now, Ronan. We'll get a sponsorship from that. Scott Parker if yes, Ronan leaves. Yeah. And Raid Shadow <laughs> Legends. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I feel. Three points on the board for Fulham. Let's go. You know, speaking of sponsors there, any potential sponsors listening, we are for sale. We will promote anything as long as you give us money. Absolutely anything. We will and promote Ronan, your political agenda. We, we mean, we mean literally anything. We're all we, college students. We, we want w- the money. We will sell it. And if Roman's profanity is too much for you, we can always give him the boot. He's dispensable. <laughs> okay, so just, if, if Rachel Ledens are listening, our asking price is 20 grand. 20 quid, five reach. Uh, even, yeah. Okay, so I think that just about rounds up the podcast this week. I think that was a pretty successful podcast, boys. All in all, yeah, very good. Don't like that you maybe talk about Fulham, but yeah. I'm sorry, I won't back into that corner again. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, You know, whatever you're listening on, whether it be YouTube or the streaming platforms, please like, subscribe, give us a rating, whatever it is that you can do on that platform. It helps us hugely. Uh, We're nearly 60 subscribers on YouTube and we're really, really happy with how things are going. Uh, Got a lot of support so far. So hopefully that continues. So thanks for listening to this podcast and we'll see you again next week. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.